Welcome to Capital Link's company presentation series. Good day to everyone. I am Nicolas Bornovis, president of Capital Link, and I would like to welcome you to the 2024 Capital Link's corporate presentation series. In this series, company management highlights the company's current uh, operations, business development, growth prospects, and sector outlook. We have with us today the senior management of D'Amico International Shipping. We have with us the chief financial officer of the company, Mr. Carlos Balestra di Motola. D'Amico International Shipping is a major global uh, product tanker company uh, controlling a fleet of 36 uh, versatile, high-quality uh, product tankers. The company shares are listed on the Milan Stock Exchange under the symbol DIS and also trade on the OTCQX market under the ticker symbol DMCOF. Now, in terms of logistics, we will begin with a company presentation followed by Q&A. Please note that participants can submit your questions during uh, through the Q&A button at the bottom of your screen at any time during the webinar, and Carlos is going to address them after his presentation. Or you can email your questions to webinars at capitalink.com. Now, before we be begin the presentation, just a reminder that uh, today's uh, presentation is strictly for informational and educational purposes and should not be relied upon. Uh, this webinar does not constitute an offer to buy or sell securities or investment advice or advice of any kind. And of course, Capital Link bears no responsibility for the content. And uh, in terms of disclosure, we uh, work with uh, D'Amico International Shipping on Investor Relations. And now I will turn the floor over to Carlos. Carlos, thank you for being with us. The floor is yours. Thank you, Nicolas, uh, and good morning to everyone. Uh, I'll quickly go through the presentation here. It's an update of our nine months results presentation. Uh, I will skip the executive summary. Um, um, so I'll start with this slide here where we have a, a uh, we can look at our fleet a quick at a quick glance. We, we control uh, 36 vessels, uh, mostly MRs, 24 out of these 36 and equal number of LL1s and handy vessels. We have a, a young fleet, average age of 8.5 years, as at uh, the 31st of December, um, mostly IMO class and mostly eco-design vessels, 79% uh, of our own unbearable vessels and 78% of the entire fleet. The reason we have such a modern and uh, as Nicholas was mentioning, a uh, versatile fleet is because we invested significant, significantly over the last few years, ordering vessels starting in 2012 that were delivered to us between 14 and 19. Uh, here we show uh, the, the, the CAPEX uh, relating to this new building program, uh, which uh, entailed uh, investments of over $900 million. Um, uh, and uh, uh, most recently, uh, we have also um, uh, been busy exercising options on TC in vessels. Uh, and uh, uh, we see here, for example, uh, in 22, we exercised one vessel which we had on time charter in. Um, uh, and uh, the price of the option was substantially below 
the vessel's value at the time. Uh, we paid 30 million, the vessel was worth around 40. It has since traded up. Uh, we exercised a similar uh, option uh, for a sister vessel uh, this year, paying uh, about the same price. Um, and uh, uh, we also last year uh, acquired the, the shares in our, in our, uh, from our JV partner, the, uh, the Glencore Group uh, in uh, Glenda International Shipping. They own 50% of the company. Uh, the implied valuations of the vessels acquired uh, turned out to be very attractive since uh, vessel values uh, rose significantly after the transaction was uh, was closed. Uh, we have now mostly maintenance capex left and not significant numbers uh, for 24 and 25. Um, we don't have um, any uh, new buildings on order currently. Um, but uh, I will uh, I will touch upon our capital allocation priorities later on in the in the presentation. Uh, here uh, we show uh, our debt repayments, which uh, have been coming down uh, on a daily basis as we have been deleveraging our, our balance sheet. We don't have any balloons to refinance before the end of two thousand and twenty six. Um, here we see the vessels that we have uh, on Verbo Charter in. Verbo Charter in. Uh, we had nine of these vessels on Verbo Charter in with uh, purchase options and obligations. Um, one, which was an older vessel, we, we the high priority, we acquired and we sold. Uh, the remaining uh, we acquired and we, we kept them uh, debt free. Uh, and we have three left. Uh, only uh, we plan to exercise one of these options um, uh, this year, uh, the one uh, for the high discovery and the one for the high fidelity uh, we plan to exercise next year and also for the cello de Houston we plan to exercise in 25. Um, exercising these options will entail investments of around uh, $60 million. Uh, and instead, um, or, or rather debt reimbursements uh, of $60 million. Here instead we have the vessels which we have on time charter in, on which we have purchase options and not purchase obligations. Um, we had six of these, two as I uh, just mentioned were already exercised and there are four that, that can still be exercised and that we will most likely be exercising. Uh, some of them uh, already this year, most likely, and the, the remainder uh, uh, possibly next year or the year after that. Um, they're all well in the money, um, and, uh, and, and they're also all very good vessels that were built either at Minami Nippon or JMU, which are two uh, very good shipyards in Japan. Um, and so we, we look forward to adding these vessels to our own fleet uh, in the near future. Um, here we see uh, our contract coverage, uh, which uh, has risen uh, slightly for 2024. It's still at a reasonably low level. Uh, we used to aim to a contract coverage between 40 and 60% over the next 12 months. We are now at 31% for 2024 at an average rate of just over 27,000. 
um, uh, and um, there is a lot of interest uh, to take other vessels on time charter from us at uh, very attractive levels. We will carefully evaluate whether to pursue these opportunities uh, since we are uh, very confident about the outlook for the spot market. So we are happy to keep uh, uh, a higher portion than usual of our fleet exposed to, to the spot market. Um, here we look at our um, uh, results, um, potential results uh, for, for 23, 24, and 25, given different assumptions for the average uh, earnings on the free days, the days that still haven't be, been fixed, either, than, uh, either through spot voyages or through time charters. Um, and uh, assuming uh, we were to earn uh, $25,000 per day on our remaining three days, uh, our um, bottom line for 2023 would be of around $193 million profit and in 24 of $125 million uh, profits. Uh, we haven't here in this slide uh, updated uh, uh, the, our spot fixtures relative to what we had presented for our nine months results, but we did update um, our time charter coverage. Uh, so the both uh, uh, for 2023 and uh, 2024 and uh, to a small extent 2025, the figures you see here take into account uh, the contracts which were time charter contracts which were signed since we approved our nine months results. Um, going on to the following page, we see our uh, the, the dynamics for our uh, GNA and OPEX. Uh, not surprisingly, uh, we we saw some upward pressure uh, this uh, this year in, uh, in, for both cost items. Uh, we, we are seeing, however, some moderation now and actually our daily um, uh, in, in, in some moderation in these increases and our daily cost, OPEX cost for the nine months, 23 was uh, below uh, our daily cost for the six months of uh, 23. Um, and this is a trend that we now expect going forward where uh, 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 future increases in these costs will be uh, less, much less important than what we experienced uh, this year. Um, in terms of the, uh, in terms of balance sheet, we have a much stronger balance sheet than we used to have a few years ago. At the end of the 2019, 2018 rather, uh, the ratio between the net financial position and fleet market value for us was at 73%. We are now down to. 21, we were, we were down as of 30th of September to 21.5%. We expect this ratio to have improved further uh, by the 31st of December, but we don't have, of course, the figures yet uh, as at that date. Um, so the leveraging, which for us was uh, a key priority over the last few years, is still important, but it's not the, uh, the as important as it was before. We are now also looking to uh, reward more our shareholders through uh, cash uh, distributions. Uh, in terms of results, there's not much uh, new here to report. I mean, our nine-month profits were $149 million. And that was a record for us. Um, uh, 
and uh, we did very well um, on, on the um, operating our vessels on the spot market with uh, with an average for the first nine months, which uh, across all vessel sizes, which was above thirty three thousand dollars per day. Um, the market, the market continues very strong, uh, volatile but strong. Um, we uh, December was very strong, especially in the Atlantic. Uh, a bit less so in Asia, but the averages nonetheless were were, were good, uh, and we have we are seeing that uh, vessel values continue creeping up, um, but they are still below where they were in the last super cycle. In particular, five-year-old vessels uh, are around nineteen percent below levels reached in the last uh, the, in the last super cycle, which was from 2003 to 2008, so a long time ago. Uh, so on an inflation adjusted basis, we are much, uh, this, this difference is even more important, much more important. Uh, 10 year old vessels are 24% uh, below uh, where they were in the last super cycle. That despite the fact that uh, freight levels, however, are instead at a much more uh, similar level um, uh, to the to the to where they were in the last super cycle, I would say uh, they are below today the peaks reached in the last super cycle, but above uh, the average reach in the last super cycle. And we have had peaks in this cycle which were higher than we had in in the last super cycle. So. Uh, there's room for vessel values to continue moving up. Uh, of course, we, this, uh, we have discussed several times already, uh, the, the, the war in Ukraine had a huge impact in the market uh, because of how it affected Russian uh, product exports. So Russia uh, is an important exporter of refined products. Um, and... Uh, in 2023, it exported on average uh, 2.6 million barrels per day, which was only 5% below uh, its average daily exports in 2021. But the, the exports went, of course, to uh, um, very different locations uh, to where they used to be exported before, before the war started, where most of the exports used to uh, be directed to the EU. Uh, and now, however, they are instead going mostly to uh, Asia, uh, China and India in particular, but also Turkey is an important uh, importer. And we are seeing also the Middle East and Africa have emerged as important importer of uh, Russian uh, products. Uh, Europe instead is sourcing uh, a lot of its uh, refined products now from uh, from the Middle East and from the US, uh, so uh, where these products are saving much longer distances. Uh, despite the important OPEC cuts that were announced last year, uh, oil supply is expected to increase by uh, 1.2 million barrels per day, uh, 1.3 million barrels per day in 2024, with most of this increase, uh, around 45% coming from the USA, but also the Brazil uh, being an important uh, contributor. The, the, the good thing about this additional supply coming from the US and from the Brazil is that um, uh, a lot of it is going to be exported uh, over very long distances to, uh, to China, and it will therefore uh, help in particular the crude tanker 
the crude tanker sector, but indirectly that will also benefit the product tanker sector. Um, on the global, uh, on the oil demand front, uh, after very strong growth in oil demand in 2023 of 2.3 million barrels per day, in 24, we are going to see uh, some a further increase in oil demand of uh, latest estimates by the uh, International Energy Agency point to an increase of 1.1 million barrels per day in 24, which is still uh, significant. Uh, especially because that occurs in a market which is already very tight and where the um, supply of tonnage is going to increase in the supply of tonnage is going to be very limited. So creating the potential for a, an even tighter market going forward. In terms of refining throughputs, uh, we are also expecting to see an increase uh, of around 880,000 barrels per day in 2024. Um, inventories, they are low despite having uh, ris risen recently and now they are more aligned with the five-year averages. Um, but nonetheless, I would say still, uh, still quite low uh, given, of course, uh, consumption has been, has been rising. Um, uh, here we see instead the refining margins, which have been quite volatile. Uh, currently, the, the the products which have the the more attractive margins are the, the diesel and jet fuel, uh, whilst uh, uh, refining margins for gasoline uh, have uh, dropped since the middle of uh, last year. But overall, I would say refining margins are, are healthy uh, and creating a strong incentive for uh, refineries to continue uh, increasing refined volumes. Um, what are going to be the drivers of uh, the uh, refined product demand uh, next year? Well, it's going to change quite, quite dramatically from what we have, uh, we have seen in the last few years where a lot of the increase was linked to the recovery in uh, um, air travel uh, and therefore uh, jet fuel demand, um, uh, and in particular uh, linked to the reopening uh, of the Chinese uh, economy, where uh, we saw last year an increase in jet fuel consumption of around 60%. Uh, and the, there's an anticipated uh, increase in jet fuel consumption uh, for 24 of uh, uh, almost 10%. Nonetheless, at the global level, jet fuel consumption is expected by the, the International Energy Agency in its latest estimates to actually fall in 24. I, I, I personally think this is a very conservative estimate and I... And I gut feeling here, not analysis, expect uh, jet fuel consumption to continue rising uh, next year at the global level, uh, um, unless we have a, a deep recession, which, uh, which affects uh, in, in a significant way, especially tourism, uh, uh, leisure travel. Uh, but the, the drivers next year, so uh, are expected to change from jet fuel to NAFTA and diesel. Uh, NAFTA in particular because of the uh, uh, important increase in uh, petrochemical plants uh, expected uh, in China this year. Um, on the crude tanker fleet, uh, it's uh, here the, the supply picture looks extremely positive. We, the order book is at a historical low. It ended at the end of 23, the, the ratio of 
um, um, vessels or the two vessels on the water was of only 3.4%. Uh, um, and uh, so that will, uh, will help uh, crude tankers going forward. Um, the, through the LR2 segment in particular, the, the crude and the product tanker sector uh, segments are linked. And when uh, Aframex uh, vessels perform very well, there's a, an incentive to dirty up uh, uh, these vessels, these LR2 tankers, um, and tightening the market for the, for the other product tankers. Uh, now, uh, as at the end, as at December, there were fifty nine percent of the other tools which were uh, were trading uh, clean. So there, there is uh, the um, good potential uh, for more vessels uh, moving into into dirty trades um, and helping our market. Um, uh, here we show the change in the refinery landscape. This is a slide we have shown for many years, but this is a. Uh, definitely a factor which uh, contributed to the strong markets we are seeing today. In particular, uh, during COVID, there was an acceleration in the closures of older refineries in the Europe, US, and Oceania, uh, which uh, uh, which contributed to increasing ton miles since uh, the the new refineries which were being built were in China, the Middle East, and other Asian countries. Uh, with these products being transported uh, longer distances. This is a trend we expect to continue uh, in the coming years, uh, and uh, it will be uh, uh, continue contributing to the ton-mile demand for our vessels. Um, U.S. oil production, we already touched upon this. It, it is expected to continue increasing. Um, despite the, uh, the, the, let's say, the... Uh, the plans from especially the listed company to continue uh, distributing a large portion of the cash they are generating. Uh, but they are, the productions, uh, the, the shale oil extraction is becoming more and more efficient and the, the oil that they are able to extract per, uh, per rig uh, is, uh, is increasing. And that also is contributing to this increase in uh, oil production. Uh, steel prices uh, for, for demolition uh, continue, uh, continue being uh, strong, uh, driven also by uh, historically high iron ore prices. And uh, um, we, we will see that demolition is going to be an important factor going forward for the market. Uh, here, we, we look a bit more in depth uh, into, this, uh, into this issue. We see how the fleet uh, has been uh, aging uh, quite fast, and actually this is expected to accelerate in the coming years. Uh, so at the end of 2023, we had 42% uh, of the fleet, which had more than 15 years, and uh, around 11%, which had more than uh, 20 years. But this percentage is expect uh, the, the percentage which has more than 20 years expected to reach 16% by the end of 25. So that, that, that is a very important uh, uh, figure. And 56% uh, and of the fleet is expected to have more than 15 years by the end of 25. And uh, we introduced this new uh, graph in our presentation at the bottom of the slide where we show uh, the proportion and, and uh, of the fleet of the current fleet that is reaching 
25 years in the in of age in the coming years. So 25 years of age is an age where if the vessel hasn't been already demolished, it's very likely to be demolished. Uh, also for structural reasons, it's very complicated for these vessels to continue uh, trading beyond uh, that uh, beyond that age. And we see here that uh, this is expected to increase steadily and quite sharply in the coming years, in particular from 20, 2027 onwards. So this was, is going to be a very important factor uh, sustaining the market going forward uh, from, from, from 2027. Uh, and in particular, if you look at the what is happening, uh, for example, in 2031, 32, where you have between seven and 10% of the fleet potentially being demolished in those years, if, the, if these vessels were, were not to be demolished earlier, uh, you can uh, see that based on today's uh, new building capacity, uh, it is very likely that uh, the, uh, the product tanker fleet is going to be contracting uh, in those years, uh, creating a very, uh, very tight market. Um, 2024 is a year where deliveries are going to be very limited, um, lower than they were in 2023, where, where they were uh, already very low. And, and therefore, um, we see here uh, in this slide that the, uh, uh, that the fleet is expected to grow in 2025 by uh, only 1.6%. This is for the segments we, we operate in. So MR1s, MR2s, and LR1s. Of course, if you include LR2s here, the, 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 the picture is, is different because uh, a lot of the product tankers ordered uh, recently are LR2s. Uh, so it doesn't look as rosy, but then it is important to take into account that uh, as we mentioned previously, the, these LR2s, uh, do move uh, from clean to dirty trades and the order book for the crude tankers is very, very low at around 3%. So if you look across all uh, tankers, then the, the fleet growth for the coming years is still very limited, even after the pickup in orders that we saw this year. Here we see that there were quite a lot of product tankers orders. Uh, once again, here we're only looking at MR1s, MR2s and LR1s. So 129 vessels ordered this year bringing the, the ratio of the vessels uh, ordered to the vessels underwater to 8%, which is still low by, by historical standards, eh? especially in the context of the aging fleet that we saw in the last few slides. So here instead, we look at the uh, our NAV. Um, this is a picture as at uh, the end of September. Uh, we expect this NAV to, to have risen by the end of the year because of the profits we, we generated in, uh, in Q4 and because asset values also have the, moved up uh, slightly between uh, the end of September uh, and the end of December. Um, uh, we were trading at the time at an important discount to NAV, uh, 38%. Um, and... Uh, so yeah, uh, there was a lot of value in our shares. There still is, uh, although our share prices have uh, traded up uh, since. 
So I think those are the main slides I wanted uh, to present uh, and uh, I'll pass it over to you for the uh, Q&A uh, session. Okay, so I have one question here, uh, which is uh, regarding our NAV discount. So this is our, our, our last slide. And we have this question very often. Um, they are asking um, why our NAV discount is uh, so big. Um, well, I, uh, I don't see a company uh, uh, specific reasons which justify this, uh, this, uh, this discount. Um, of course, maybe not being listed in one of the main uh, stock exchanges in which uh, our peers are listed uh, uh, does not help our visibility, but we are working hard in this respect to, to compensate for this. Uh, trying to increase uh, research coverage. And the mo most recently, we also joined the, the OTCQX market, uh, whereby we hope to increase our visibility with U.S. Uh, investors and, and reach uh, with U.S. investors. Uh, and, and hopefully that, that, that will work. We are already seeing some positive signs in that, in that respect. And since we joined uh the market on the 20th of november we we saw that uh, the average trading volume of our shares increased by by 15 percent relative to the average trading volume in the uh previous uh, in the three months before before we joined so um apart from that uh i think uh, it's possibly related to the um, concerns regarding the uh uh, the sustainability of this cycle and uh, the cycle uh, we are prof uh, we are still probably probably in the early stages of uh, this uh, up cycle uh, because of the reasons we covered in the, in the presentation so uh, it is it is uh, definitely true that the war in ukraine uh, um, has uh, has helped the market and we have we don't know when this will uh, uh, when this will terminate, it would uh, it could uh, it could terminate tomorrow, and we hope so. Although it it looks uh, unlikely uh, currently um, that it will terminate soon, unfortunately. Um, uh, but there are there are other reasons, such as the uh, the, the increase in ton, ton miles linked to the dislocation of uh, refineries, uh, the very slow uh, fleet growth anticipated uh, that we experienced over the last few years and uh, anticipated for the coming years, uh, which of course have also uh, been, uh, been helping the market. And more, more, most recently, we have had also uh, some, uh, some new factors which have uh, helped the market, such as the congestion uh, uh, in, in the Panama Canal uh, caused by the reduced uh, daily transits uh, implemented by the by the Panama Canal authorities uh, because of the low water levels, uh, whereby transits are currently at around 24 vessels per day, uh, whereas uh, they used to be of 38 vessels per day. It's so vessels that can uh, that have a regular programs such as container container vessels and some cask carriers can book well in advance. Um, and uh, ensure uh, faster passage through the canal. For us, it, uh, that uh, for 
companies like ours that operate vessels on a tramp basis, this is much more complicated. And therefore, this is impacting uh, quite a lot the product tanker segment. Uh, uh, and we expect this to continue impacting the, the product tanker sector for a few years. Of course, after the, the dry season ends and the rainy season starts around May next year, the, this problem might be uh, alleviated for a few months, but it, it is uh, probably going to, uh, we are going to be probably confronted with a similar problem uh, in next year's dry, dry season again. Um, and so that will uh, uh, most likely, uh, this factor is most likely going to be supporting uh, the market for a few years still until structural measures can be adopted to, to solve this problem. Uh, most recently, uh, we also have had the disruptions linked to the, um, to the issues um, in the Suez Canal. Uh, which have been uh, escalating, uh, and uh, well, whilst we were initially um, very cautiously continuing to transit through the canal, and we had a few weeks back a few vessels which which did cross the canal, and they were escorted by uh, by the the Italian Navy. Uh, we now have adopted the, uh, the policy of asking whenever we fix vessels on spot charters uh, for the option to sail through the Cape of Good Hope. That entails uh, uh, another 10 to 15 days of sailing um, uh, and therefore it will uh, contribute to an even tighter market. I think most tanker companies are now starting to adopt similar policies and we have already seen uh, that um, the uh, uh, percentage uh, of uh, tankers going through the, the Swiss Canal has dropped by around 25% uh, uh, relative to uh, prior to this, uh, uh, to this conflict. So uh, it is, uh, and this is probably, um, this trend is probably going to be accentuated in, in, in the coming weeks. Um, uh, unless uh, hopefully a solution is found. Um, uh, this, um, there's a question here which is connected to this, uh, whether um, uh, this Swiss Canal issue is impacting the spot market. Um, uh, it is to a certain extent, but uh, I believe it will even more so in the near future. Uh, the uh, we we are we are asking when we fix vessels uh, through sail uh, with the option to sail for through Cape of Good Hope, of course, for a higher freight level to compensate for the additional costs of these longer uh, sailing distances. Uh, but the, the the this will play out over the next few weeks as the availability uh, of vessels falls, the vessels opening. Um, uh, in the different regions of the world fall because of this additional crisis that we are confronting um, in the coming weeks, then we will see uh, spot markets uh, go uh, even higher, I believe. So, um, so I have another question here. Um, 
which is linked to the capital allocation. Um, and I, I believe we covered a bit of that in the, in, in, in the, in the presentation, but uh, I, I do, it is an important uh, uh, factor. Uh, and so it's worthwhile uh, maybe going a, a bit more into detail on, the, in, in, on this particular topic. Um, yes, it is true. Yes, we are generating quite a lot of cash. Um, and uh, um, uh, last year we distributed in April dividends of $22 million. And then we distributed in the, at the end of November an interim dividend of $20 million. We also repurchased shares for 6.5 million uh, euros, worth 6.5 million euros. Um, this year, uh, if the markets continue being as strong as last year, given the, the, the even stronger balance sheet we, we can now count on, uh, we expect to be uh, able to distribute uh, more dividends and, and uh, reward more our shareholders, potentially also through, through share buybacks. Um, uh, so, of course, yeah, it will depend on, on, uh, on how the market develops. And of course, things can change if we were to, to find particularly attractive investment opportunities that we seek to pursue. Uh, but, uh, but our current, let's say, expectation is that we are going to be uh, distributing more cash to our shareholders in, uh, in 23 than we did in, in 2022. Um, uh, and in terms of capital allocation, um, not, not only looking at 24, but uh, also, let's say, 25 and 26, uh, if, uh, if we were to exercise uh, all the vessels that we currently have on time charter in, that would entail investments of around $130 million. Uh, all the vessels, I mean, the, the long-term vessels uh, that we have on time charter in for which we have uh, purchase options. So those four vessels that would entail investments of around $130 million. And uh, another uh, $66 million could potentially be used uh, to uh, uh, reimburse, uh, exercise the options on the vessels that we have on Bambo charter in. Uh, so they're reimbursing those leases. Uh, we might make use of some bank, bank debt when exercising these uh, these options, but at moderate levels. So, so that, that is also an important use for of funds for us in in the in the coming years. Um, there's another question here. Do you intend to buy new or older vessels going forward? Uh, no, we definitely don't intend to buy uh, all the vessels uh, going forward, um, but um, we could consider um, engaging in uh, some sort of fleet renewal, uh, whereby we sell some older vessels to buy uh, younger vessels. That, that is a possibility. Um, we we could entail other type of investments also, but I, but I, I would say we are not on a on a fleet expansion mode currently, but more maybe possibly on a fleet renewal. Although we do have still uh, a very young fleet, an average age of eight point five years, uh, so 
we are not in a hurry to, to make uh, new investments. Uh, we will only do so if we find the, the, the very attractive opportunities. Um, another question here, will, will we ever have a US uh, listing? Um, uh, US listing, no, we have now uh, pursued this uh, transaction um, whereby we joined the OTCQX market, but it's not currently in our plans to, to, to pursue a US listing. Um, we, we, do, we will, however, continue working to increase our visibility in the US market and in international markets generally, uh, so hopefully becoming also more appealing to Nordic uh, European investors, uh, despite not being listed in, in Oslo. Um, and uh, another question here, uh, how will the uh, EU ETS market uh, impact you? <clears throat> Uh, well, um, I, I don't think it's going to be a big impact this year. Uh, we are already operational in that respect, of course. Um, and uh, we have acquired already our first uh, EOAs. Um, our needs, estimated needs based on historical trading patterns and how our vessels uh, and uh, the expected contract coverage for our vessels this year is not uh, that significant. Around the 20 to 25,000 allowances will need to be acquired by us this year. Of course, there's a phase in of these regulations. So in the first year, it's uh, only, you, will, you have to buy allowances only for 40% of the emissions generated and then in the second year 70 percent and then uh, thereafter and then thereafter 100 percent and of course it's also anticipated that the price of these allowances is going to gradually increase uh, to uh, encourage the the uh, energy transition which the regulators would like to see um, uh, most recently, we have actually seen the prices of these allowances uh, come down uh, beca because of the weak uh, economic industrial activity in Europe. Uh, but it is anticipated that uh, that they will uh, they will they will rise and that the authorities will uh, adjust the allowances emitted into the market to ensure that uh, that outcome. So it will become a more impact, a more important factor going forward. But for 2024, it's it's not a very significant factor for us. I don't see other questions here, so I, I believe we can uh, the 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 presentation. We can consider the presentation closed. And uh, thank you very much for, for everyone uh, that joined the the presentation today, uh, for 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 participating and for your questions. And Carlos, thank you so much for organizing. Carlos, thank you very much. Uh, as expected, it has been a very interesting presentation. And you can tell from the many questions you got uh, about the interest uh, of the participants in the company and the sector. Uh, I would like to conclude by thanking everybody who joined. And thank you, Carlos. And uh, just to remind everyone that this webinar will soon be available for access upon demand on Capital Link's website at capitallinkwebinars.com and also on Capital Link's YouTube channel.
Thank you very much and have a wonderful rest of the day. Thank you. Thank you, Nicholas. Thank you.